not better. He's taller than me, but he's not better looking than me. Come on, admit it, right? By the way, when those fucking sirens were flying, I almost ran out the door. I thought the fucking cops were here or something like that, you know? <laughs> How you guys doing? Everyone good? It's so awesome to be back in Australia again. So I was just, you know, I was here literally right before you guys shut the borders. When you guys shut the borders, you shut the fucking borders, by the way. Is it okay if I curse? You're from Australia, right? I, and I, I had a very uh, small train this morning, and I thanked everyone there because you guys gave me a word that is one of my favorite words. We don't have it in the United States, but when I came to Australia in 2009 or 8 the first time, I kept hearing this word. I was like, this is the best word ever. Fuck with. <laughs> we don't have that word. And I was like, fuck with. This is like the greatest word ever. Because like, it's, it's fucking describes so many people you run into, right? Especially in the U.S. Anyway, so I was here literally right before they uh, shut the borders. And you guys, I don't know if you remember, they had the cruise ship that was like docked out with all the sick people. And I was like outside the window and like it was this big thing when I entered Australia. Like, have you been to China in the last week? I'm like, what? Like China? <laughs> like, no, right? And when I got back to the US, like, have you been to China in the last week? I'm like, no. And then within a week of that, everything shut down. So I kind of escaped out of here right before the borders were closed. So it's great to be back. You guys are awesome. So we have, listen, so thanks. You're good. So let me just take my jacket off and get comfortable here. So here's the deal. We have about three hours together today, which seems like a long time, but for me, it's not that long because I love to fucking speak. And once I get going, you can't get me off the stage. I might go over a little bit, if that's okay with you guys, but I'll do my best to get everything I can in in a few hours today. So here's the deal. First of all, before we get started, how, I want to get a sense of who's in the room. It's always helpful. So how many people here own your own business? Raise your hand. Business owners. Wow, a lot. Okay. How many people here, don't, don't raise your hand twice, all right? How many people are not owning a business, but you're in sales? Raise your hand. Okay, about equal number. How many people here are currently students still? Raise your hand. Okay, if you just give a round for the students, come on. <laughs> also, if you guys, could, could you raise the house lights a bit? I'd love to see the handsome, beautiful faces here, because it's great to make eye. I can't see, I'm fucking blinded now, I can't. There we go, I see the handsome faces, beautiful faces, right? How many people here are not business owners, not in sales, not students, but are here because you work at a company and you just want to be more effective, be able to communicate more effectively, raise your hand. So you're like civilians, okay, great. Let's give them a round two, right? All right, so, so basically here's the deal, right? You know, when I, when I, every time I, I start an event, I always speak to the people that put the event and say, what do you want me to speak about? You know, what do you want me to focus on here? What will give the room the most value? And they said, we want you to really focus in on sales, persuasion, and influence, which is what I'm known most for. I also focus on entrepreneurship as well, and also what happens up here between your ears before you ever go out into the world and take action, whether it's as a business owner, a salesperson, anyone that really is trying to achieve success, success always starts up here between your ears. That's where it always starts, and sometimes, when you go to a seminar, you know, you'll, you'll pay good money and they'll spend hours upon hours teaching you about the inner game, the mindset of success. And that's great, and it's important, but at the end of the day, that's not why I'm here. You know, I want to go over it very quickly and touch on some basic stuff here, but I'm here to teach you more of the harder competencies, the stuff that you could actually take out into the world 
and start using it immediately. Not the softer. Again, I don't want to discount it because the, the inner game is important as well. And, and without that, it will hold you back from being the best you can be. So you could possess all the skills that you require for success, like the hard skills, how to close, how to get into rapport. But if you don't have the mindset correctly, you'll end up either self-sabotaging or you just won't be able to bring it to the table on a consistent basis, right? So I'm gonna briefly touch on the inner game just, so, just to raise some issues in your own mind. Then we're gonna spend about 75, 80% of the time on the actual hard skills. That's number one. So I'm just gonna touch on inner game and then focus more on outer game, right? Secondly, how many of you have attended seminars before? Raise your hand. All right, well, I have some great news for you. Unlike 95% of the seminars that you've attended, no one's gonna fucking sell you anything today. You get it? There's no other speakers coming on stage. I have nothing to sell you right now. They have nothing to sell you, the people that put on the event. This is purely learning. No ulterior motive. So it's not like, I don't know if you've been to a seminar and they like, they, they kind of line the whole thing up to say, and if you really want to learn it, buy my course. This is not that, okay? There is no sale. So everything, I, you can just put your guard down right now and accept the information and, you know, just it's all to benefit you. I have no ulterior motive. Does that make sense? Yes? Yeah. All right, great. So with that in mind, just let your guard down. Let me just start by saying, there's, there are two worlds of success, and, and, and the reason for that is we live in a world of duality. There's two sides to every coin. I want you to think about this logically, right? If you have up, then you have to have what? Down. If you have start, then you have stop. If you have yes, you have no. You have above, you have below, right? It's, it's just like a, if you, even the digital world that we all live by and, and we breathe by with our cell phones and everything else, if you have a one, then you have a what? A zero, right? There's, there's always there's the yin and the yang, the two sides to every coin. So my question to you would be like, why would it be any different when it comes to making money or success or sales for that matter? It, it has to be the same. There's always those there's two sides to every coin. So on one side, I'll have a, two boards up here for this reason, right? So on one side, I'll use green, why not, right? You have what's called the inner world of success. Right? And these are all the things I was talking about, you know, that happen up here between your ears before you ever go out into the world to take action. It's a mindset thing, right? And on the other side of the equation, you have what's called the outer world, right? So the good news is, is that there aren't that many things on both sides of the equation. This is an overarching equation for success, right? Not just sales, right? So on the inner side, you have these four competencies. I'm going to just rifle through them really quickly without spending too much time on them, okay? If you want to find more, you go to my website or on YouTube, zillion free videos I have, and you can dig into this stuff as deeply as you want, okay? But the first thing is called the ability to manage your state of mind, your physiological, emotional state. I did not invent this. No one, in this stuff has been around since the beginning of time. And what this really refers to it, there are certain states of mind that set you up for success, they're called empowered states. In business, it's things like certainty, a state of certainty, state of confidence, state of clarity, courage. And then the opposite of that would be a disempowered state, which would be uncertainty, or fear, or overwhelm. Those are the, the opposites, okay? So just imagine, you know, you're a salesperson, right? And you're, or an entrepreneur for that matter, and you spend 90% of your day 
feeling uncertain, overwhelmed, lacking confidence, and fearful. Just imagine walking around all day like that, and I don't care how much you know about selling, you could possess all the skills of a salesperson, you could know all the strategies of an entrepreneur, but if you're walking around all day, you all screwed up in your mind and feeling negative and uncertain, good luck trying to succeed, especially in sales, when at the highest level, and I'm gonna get into this in, in great detail today, at the highest level, what sales really is, is the transference of emotion. You're transferring an emotion, and the primary emotion that you're transferring is the emotion of certainty. That you're certain that what you're trying to get someone to buy, persuade them to buy, that you're certain it's the best. It's the best fit for them, the best in class, the best value proposition. You're absolutely certain of that. That's where the salesman starts. The prospect is not nearly as certain. Why? They don't know everything that you know about your product, your good, your service, what you have to offer. So the role of the salesperson is essentially to transfer that certainty they have to the prospect to make them more certain so they want to buy. That's the, the big picture. So it, it, I teach a system called the straight line, which some of you, many of you probably heard of it before, right? It's very popular around the world, very effective. In fact, when I take my break in the middle here, one of the owners of the company of, of One Life is gonna come up for, for a short time and talk to you. He actually used the straight line system to build a 600, well, to, not a, to actually sell his company for $600 million using the straight line system. And he owes me fucking 60 million, by the way. I want my 10%, okay? I'm gonna collect it after. I'm not fucking, I'm not letting him get away with it. Anyway, um, but in all seriousness, no. He actually built a company, you sold it for how much? 600 million, right? That's the number, right? Okay, $600 million, right? Using the straight line system. And, and so it, it works in any industry. Okay, but the bottom line is, is that to start with, if you're not in a state of certainty, the straight line system allows you to transfer the certainty to someone else. You can transfer the certainty to someone else. It doesn't create certainty. In other words, it's not like the straight line will build certainty. No, you have to be certain as the sales, so you enter the sale, you're the salesperson, you're feeling certain, then you want to transfer that certainty to someone else. So if you're in a state of uncertainty, you have nothing to transfer, and the system breaks down, which is why in sales, being able to trigger, meaning to, to, to manifest a state of certainty at the key moment when you enter a sales encounter is absolutely crucial to your success. Now, when I say trigger, so what I'm not saying is that you should walk around all day long in some artificially pumped up state of certainty with your chest puffed out and your shoulders back, you know, and you're talking certain, acting certain. What do you call someone that walks around all day long in a state of certainty? An asshole, right? So I'm, I'm, a fuckwit. <laughs> in Australia, you call a fuckwit, right? <laughs> you know, in the United States, you call him an asshole, right? But the point is, that's just not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the ability to trigger it in a key moment when it matters most. So that's number one, the ability to manage your state. The second part of this, second element of the inner game are your beliefs. 
your beliefs about yourself, about your abilities, about what your capabilities are, about who you are as an individual, what is right and wrong. Your beliefs are certain sets of beliefs that are called the empowering beliefs, right? That lead you to massive success. And there are other beliefs, the so-called limiting beliefs, that hold you back and keep you isolated and lead to failure and make you feel alone. So there's empowering beliefs, and you always have the opposite. There's always the yin and the yang. You have limiting beliefs, right? And by the way, you know, we all have them. In fact, if you don't think you have any, then you just found your first limiting belief. You don't have any. We all have them, right? Some people say, I'm too old. I'm too young. I came from the wrong family. Uh, the, the economy sucks. The government is holding me back, right? M money is the root of all evil. Making money is difficult. I'm not good at making money. I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a sales type. I'm not entrepreneur material. I grew up just, you know, in a household where the word sales was synonymous with a slime bucket. My parents thought sales was evil. They thought it was manipulative. So despite my parents being incredibly brilliant, both of them brilliant, hardworking, educated, both college degrees, CPAs, accountants, right? They were broke. Growing up, we did not have money in my household. Why? Two reasons. Number one, my parents had a belief that risk was a bad thing. They had a Depression-era mentality. They grew up in the Great Depression, so they would never take risk. Secondly, they thought sales and marketing were evil. So just imagine, if you think something is evil and manipulative, what's going to happen when you're faced with doing it? You're going to say, oh, no, I don't want to do that. It's against God. It's against nature. It's going to change who I am. It's going to change the fabric if I become a salesperson. Or if I get rich, maybe I'll become greedy. Those are all examples of very common limiting beliefs. And while they might not make sense to me whatsoever, like to me, they're like, what the fuck? Why would you think that? And to many of you, the same. But to some of you, my guess is that you have them. And what they do is they, they sit just below the surface, disguising themselves as the facts of life. And they're not facts. They're just your beliefs. For example, one of the most destructive beliefs of all for success making money, whether it's as an entrepreneur or a salesperson, and they're very similar, by the way, like a commission-based or someone that can make a lot of commission, you're in your own business, so to speak. So they're very, very similar, right? But this idea that the world happens to me. I'm a creature of circumstance. Like it's destiny versus I make my own circumstance. I create circumstance. When you believe, if, if you have any, even a stitch of that belief that the world happens to me, then there's three things that you tend to do. The first is you blame. You play what's called the blame game. You blame everyone and everything for why you're not succeeding. You blame the government. You blame your family. You blame your education. You blame the economy. You blame the competition. You blame everybody but who? Yourself. You know, you ever look in the mirror and get honest and say, you know what, maybe I'm part of this. See, the first thing you do is play the blame game. The second thing you do is you justify. You actually justify why you don't have money. You'll start saying things like, well, I don't really need to make a lot of money. Money doesn't matter. And I got some fucking news for you. Money matters. 
Like I said, I think I've been a rich man. I've been a poor man. I choose rich every fucking time and never look back, right? Now, why is that? Why is that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I have been rich and absolutely just so happy. You can't imagine how happy I've been, right? It's like I am right now. I'm rich and happy, right? But I've also been rich and fucking miserable. I've been rich. Who's been rich and miserable here? Anybody? Anyone who's rich has been miserable at one point, right? You can be rich and miserable. I have been poor and utterly miserable. I've never been poor and happy. Why? Because a lack of money creates massive problems and complications. Now, some people can, very few, some can, like Mother Teresa, a handful of others can be really happy and not have money because they're not rooted in that. Their, their belief systems are rooted in an entirely different world. I'm guessing most of you didn't buy tickets because you feel that way, though. You feel quite the opposite. Now, I'm not saying that money is the be-all, end-all. Okay, money only matters 1,000% for a few things like food, shelter, medical care, basic stuff, right? And then after that, there's these higher level things like that matter far more than money, like contribution, giving back, you know, just loving what you do. So there's other things, of course, as well. But there's a certain amount of money that each individual needs, and it differs by individual. Like, for example, give me, I'll say this for after we talk about number four here, but it differs from individual, okay? And what happens is when someone starts to justify and starts saying, I don't need money, well, guess what? We don't get the things that we don't need. If, we, if you don't think you need something, you're not going to have it. And frankly, if you go around saying it, that I don't need money, money's not important to me, you're never going to have any. I'll tell you why. For example, who here is in a... Now, if your spouse or partner is here, don't answer this question. But who is here in a really toxic relationship they want to get out of? Raise your hand if you're alone and your partner's not here and you want to get out. Okay, if so you're one honest person among thousands, all right? I respect that person. Right? I'm going to tell you how to get out of the relationship. I don't know if I think it's a guy maybe, right? So I want that for the next 30 days, when you wake up, I want you to turn to your partner and say, listen, you don't matter to me. I promise you by day 15, they're out the fucking door. <laughs> Things that we don't, they don't stick around in our lives. If you keep saying that loud, it doesn't matter to me. I don't need it. You're never going to have it. Money matters and you need it. I'm not saying it's the be-all, end-all, but you got to get honest with yourself. That makes sense, yes? And the third thing that people do is they complain. People that are saying the world happens to me versus I create my world, they complain. And when you complain, basically what you're doing is you're focusing on everything that's wrong in your life. You're focusing on everything that's wrong, that's not right, that's bothering you. And what happens is some universal laws that are very powerful. One of them is that what you focus on, you move towards. What you focus on, you will move towards. That's a universal law of success. What you focus on, you move towards. So if you're focusing on all the things that are wrong, you're going to crash right into them. It's called living in the problem is the other way of saying it versus a solution. The other side of that, which is even worse, is that what you focus on, you attract into your life. What you focus on, you attract. So if you're focusing on all the shit in your life, you become a giant shit magnet. You literally attract shit into your life. When I hear someone that complains all the time, I want to be, I want to be away from it because it might, the shit might hit me when it comes to them, right? So you want to be not near those people. 
Now, these are like universal laws. If those of you have like heard about the secret, who's read the secret and knows about the secret, right? The, the problem I have with the secret, and it's because it's true, there's, a, there's this law of attraction, and it's powerful. It really is. It's powerful, and it's there. The problem with the secret is that the, the success route they want you to take with the secret is to say, okay, if you want to have a lot of money in your life, here's what you got to do. You got to go into your living room, you got to put the shades down. I'm going to sit down because I got to get in the right state of mind. You got to sit on your couch, your nice quiet room, shades drawn. And I want you to close your eyes. I want you to imagine a check showing up in your mailbox for $100,000. And I want you to put that out into the ether of the world and just attract that check. And, and just, you got to think really hard and visualize the check and, and attract that check. And, and, and it's coming into your mailbox. And sure enough, you focus on it hard enough, long enough, a check for 100 grand is going to show up in your mailbox. What a bunch of shit that is, right? I mean, if that's your strategy for success, the only thing that will show up in your mailbox is a fucking eviction notice, right? The bank is towing away your car, your wife or husband's bagging the next door neighbor, you're like, where's my check, where's my <laughs> Like, I tried, it doesn't work. Like, a bag of money didn't hit me in the head. I'm one of those poor unfortunate fools who has to go out into the world and take action to get what I want. So now here's the thing with the secret, though. If there is a law of attraction, but you have to move towards the things that you want. You have to get close to them, and then you can attract them. In other words, it's like that old experiment. You probably did this in grade school here with, with the, in science, with the, a horseshoe magnet and iron filings. And the teacher says, oh, watch. Here's how magnetism works. And she puts the filings here, the magnet here. Nothing happens. So she moves the magnet closer. Nothing happens. Closer still, nothing happens. But if she gets close enough, suddenly the iron attracts to the magnet. So you have to put yourself in the vicinity of the things you want to attract, and then you will attract them. So what really happens, the way this works is by, is like when you start to focus on what you want, on where you want to go, it alerts you to the opportunities you need to move towards. So as long as you get active, so it starts, yes, it starts by focusing. Focusing on where you want to go, what your outcome is, and that alerts you to what you have to move towards. And when you get close enough, you attract it. That's how it works in reality. So those are your beliefs and how they either can work for you or against you. The way limiting beliefs work is you're held down by the lowest level limiting belief. If there's one belief that's holding you back, it's like almost like a Ferrari, a beautiful, or my friend's got a Lam beautiful Lamborghini, right? It's a million dollar car. It probably goes 230 miles an hour. It's got an incredibly sleek cherry red chassis, right? 12 cylinders, four valves per, right? But here's the deal. If there's a governor on the engine stopping the flow of gas, I don't care how fast the car could go, it's not gonna go over 55. That's what a limiting belief does. One belief will sit there and hold you back, stop you from charging forward where you should, and cause you to pull back when you shouldn't. So you have to root them out and replace them with empowering beliefs. It starts by getting honest. And again, I don't have time to dig into this today, but I just want to alert you to the fact that if you have them, you need to do something about it about rooting out limiting beliefs. And again, you can go to my website, you can go to Tony Robbins, who focuses on the inner game a lot. And it's good stuff. It's very valuable stuff to get your head straight up here, okay? The third element is something called vision focus. And that means having a vision for your future, not just goals, but a vision of where you want to be in five years from now, a fully integrated vision, meaning it's not just like, I want to make money. That's not a vision. It's everything about how you see your life 
in five years from now and why it matters to you. The all-important why. Like, why do you want to achieve it? And I'll circle back to that later when I tell you my own story, because I'm going to do that very shortly. And the second part of this, as I said before, is focus. So it's having this vision of where you want to go, right? And then training yourself to focus on it with laser-guided precision, to focus where you want to go versus the things you're afraid of along the way. So staying true to your vision. Now, just to be clear here, you don't want to have tunnel vision because what happens very often is with any person that's made a lot of money in their life, they'll tell you that the way they started off thinking they were going to make money and get rich is typically not the way they got rich. They had a vision for the future. They were working hard to achieve it. But somewhere along the way, let me just turn the page for one second here and knock that down. All right? So if this is your vision, right? And this is your starting point right here, right? And you're trying to get to your vision, right? Well, along the way, you're going to see these other opportunities, opportunities along the way that you integrate into your vision. So your vision's not static. You don't become so invested in your vision. Like, oh, I, I can't look at this other opportunity because it's not a part of my vision. Your vision is a living, breathing functioning organism that's going to change and grow over time. Now, that doesn't mean you start to dabble in eight unrelated things and try to be a jack of all traits and a master of none. I'm talking about integrating opportunities that organically come up along the way that you could integrate into your vision and help you really get where you want to go in life. Does that make sense to everyone? Yes? So it's not tunnel vision where you're just looking at one thing. You have to be scanning the horizon for opportunities. And then along the way, you have these goals. You have short-term goals. You have intermediate goals and long-term goals. So the goals that you have are have distinct starting points and ending points. And what happens is your goals are there to show you whether you're heading in the right direction or the wrong direction. And ultimately, these goals will lead up to your vision and those, that's how goals interplay with your vision. So goals are shorter term in nature. You're not emotionally attached to goals. So for example, if you set a goal and you don't achieve it, that's totally fine. In fact, I often don't achieve my goals. And anytime I achieve a goal as part of a business, I will raise the goal even higher the next time so I don't hit it. I don't try to, I set my goals very high. The problem with most people is not that they set their goals too high and miss them. That's not what causes people to fail. What typically happens is people set their goals too low and hit them. They don't set goals that really matter. They don't stretch themselves. So you want to stretch yourself, not set outlandish goals that you can never hit. But for example, I have a business that I have right now that's doing very, very well, right? And this month we're on par to do about 350 cases. That's the metric, right? And I set a goal three months ago to hit 350. Last month, I set a goal for 325 and missed it at 293. Didn't upset me. It just showed me, okay, so what was wrong? What needed to happen? Well, I needed to get more leads on the front end to get more. You understand? So your goals are there to give you data to make informed decisions along the way. And you're not necessarily meant to hit your goals. So that's the path, and these goals all together lead up to success, this achieving your long-term vision, which is growing and changing. Your vision is where your emotional attachment is. It's where your why is, why you want to achieve it, and the goals lead up to that. All right, so that's vision focus. The fourth element, let's go back there of the inner game, and we're going to move past this and move on to the good stuff, right? But I just want to frame everything here, is 
what's called your standards. Okay? Your standards. Okay? And your standards are your musts in life. It's like what level of wealth and success must you achieve? What you will not settle for less than. That's your standard. It's almost like a thermostat. It's like where you burn. For example, there are some people that say, oh, if I make 50000 or 100000 a year, I'm great. That's all I need. And those people, guess what? When they start making that, they will take their foot off the gas pedal and slow down, and they'll end up hovering, not necessarily at 100, but just slightly above, slightly below, and that's their level of success. It's their must. It's your financial must. It operates like a thermostat in the house. You set your thermostat to 21 degrees, right? If it's too cold, the heater kicks on, brings it back up to 21. But if you hit that level, what happens? The heat turns off, house starts to cool down, and you end up back at the same level again. Well, we have that for all aspects of our life. We have it when it comes to making money. We have it for how our body is. Some people, you know, you might find people that are really into like keeping in shape, but don't care much. They have a low standard for money, high for their body, so you find them broke and in shape. You find other people that are really, really rich, but they're completely, you know, they're walking cholesterol factories, right? They're gonna die young if they don't do something about it, because they don't really care about that. You have other people, and I've been guilty of this, where I had really high standards for money, but didn't value my relationships that much. Like my marriages, so I've been married four times already, right? Which is why I don't teach relationship mastery. <laughs> I teach sales and money mastery, right? But you know, over time, I've gotten better. Now, hopefully, I think this one's going to last. No, I, I should. My wife's not here now. I know it's going to last, right? But, but in all seriousness, look, when I was in my younger days, I cared so much about making money. That's what I focused my attention on, and I neglected things that were personal to me. And that wasn't a smart move. So you want to have a, you know, a more well-rounded way of looking at things with your stance. But, and there's no, when it comes, but here we're talking about money today, right? Making money. So let's focus on money. There's no right or wrong answer. For example, I just, you know where I was right before this? I was on a, a beautiful yacht, a massive yacht for someone who I'm sure that you all know, a very, very close friend of mine, James Packer. You all know James Packer, right? Right, from Australia. He's a very, one of my best friends in the world. I was on, he's got a 350-foot yacht. We were in the south of France at the Confit. My wife is still on the yacht right now. I'm going back there after this tour, right, for another week on the yacht, right? So for someone like, like for me, if I don't make $10 million a year, I feel like I'm broke. Like if I'm making less than 10, I'm not happy. I feel like something's wrong. I need to work harder, right? The expenses on James's yacht are $10 million a month. Just his yacht. You get it? Now, there are some people that could be happy with 200,000. It's not, there's no right or wrong to this. The question is this, and this is really where, where the rubber meets the road, is are you congruent with your vision and your standards? Meaning, do you have like a champagne vision? You want the yacht, you want the house on the hill, you want the best of everything, you want to travel well, have a beautiful car, but you have a beer standard. You're not willing to do the hard work. You're not willing to sacrifice at the end of the day and go all in to achieve it. That's common. Not common in this room, by the way, because people with, with very low standards don't typically go to rooms like this. What's far more common in a room like this is you have very high standards, 
you really want to make money, you, you, you're willing to do the work, but you probably haven't got clear enough on where you want to go in life. You don't really have a vision for your future. You're setting goals. You're busy setting short-term and intermediate-term goals. You don't have a long-term vision in mind, and you haven't pulled all the pieces together. So you have this achiever's mentality. You work hard. You probably make some good money at the end of the year. But you don't feel like you're in flow. You don't like jump out of bed in the morning and seize every day and feel great about it and feel like you're building towards something bigger that matters to you. And that's really why it's so important. This, is, this vision is the emotion, why it matters to you, why you get up every day, why you feel good, what you're chasing after. And again, when I tell you my own story, we'll dig into this why. And let's move past this now. This is the inner game. And I want to just kind of move off this right now, just other than saying that it's the inner game that sets you up for success in the outer game or the outer world. And in the outer world, there's also four distinct parts to this thing. All right? Okay, it's all. Come on. Here we go. <laughs> I'll make this one low for right now, okay? So on this side, you have number one, you have the rules and strategies of business and entrepreneurship. If you're in business or if you're in sales, it's like having a business, but business has rules. And if you don't obey those rules, you're going to end up feeling massive pain in the form of bankruptcy and failure. And in this country, bankruptcy is no joke. In the U.S., ah, fucking bankrupt the fifth time, no one cares. It's true. <laughs> it's a very different mentality here in Australia. If you go bankrupt here, there's consequences. People not, not saying you can't come back because you can come back from anything. All right? But there's much greater, greater consequences in your culture when you go bankrupt. It's not really looked in the U.S. It's like a badge of honor, okay? <laughs> Our last president was back up like nine times, Donald Trump, right? No one gives a shit, right? Here it matters, right? So, so there are two sides to entrepreneurship. One is learning how to, what I call, fail elegantly. <laughs> Got to be a midget to get this. To <laughs> the world was telling me something, right? Fail elegantly, right? And then, so what does that mean? There's, that means how do you go into business and learn how to be wrong? How do you be wrong in business? Because what's going to happen in business is you're going to be wrong more times than you're right. Ask any successful person. They'll tell you, number one, they failed more than they succeeded in life until they figured things out, and the lessons were in the failures. Now, failure doesn't mean that you lose everything and go bankrupt, but there's setbacks and trials and errors, and if you know how to be in business the right way, you can minimize your downside risk, and learn from it, and then try again and get stronger. That's the effective way to be an entrepreneur. And then the other side, and I wanna, I'm gonna pass over, it's just, that's just the big picture here, and on the flip side here, you have what's called succeeding wildly, meaning what do you do when the, the shit is right? When you have an idea, you test it small, and it works even better than you thought. How do you take a small company, turn it into a large company? How do you systemize, how do you optimize? And how do you scale and grow? Take a small mom and pop, turn it into a big regional player, take a regional player and turn it into an international company. There's rules for that too. That's entrepreneurship, right? The second, oh, thank you. We have to get a sip. By the way, I have a little Red Bull back here. You know, I'm sober for like, I'm not doing Coke now for like 20 something years. All I have left is Red Bull. <laughs> it's not as powerful. <laughs> but it's more sustainable. <laughs> and some of you are laughing too nervously in Brisbane, I know. 
<laughs> I fucking know. <laughs> Can point to you. Who is Let's see who's laughing to whatever that is. <laughs> right? Oh, no, that's Sydney, maybe. I don't know. Where's Vegas, right? Anyway, okay. So um, that's entrepreneurship. The second aspect of the outer game is a specific skill set that's integral in sales as well. It's called marketing. And it's the other side of sales is essentially how do you go out there and find who are your best buyers? Who are the people that are right for your product potentially? And how do you reach out to them in a cost-effective way? And, and very often I do a lot of private consulting with companies and they want me to come in and fix the sales operation. And what I usually find is when there's problems with the sales operation, there's also typically problems with the marketing side. Not always, but very commonly, there's problems with marketing as well. Either the sales force doesn't know how to get leads the right way or the company's not providing them, whichever the system is, company-driven or employee-driven. But the point is that the marketing, and nowadays you have two types, is offline and online, right? And I'm not going to dig into markets. A whole different three-day event is marketing, right? But marketing essentially is what brings in prospects into your sales funnel. It's how do you go out and first identify who your best buyer is, who's your best buyer, and then how do you reach out to them in a cost-effective way? And the operative words are cost-effective, because I can't tell you how many times I've had businesses where, yeah, you can reach the people that you need to, but by the time you're done reaching them, you're not making any money. It costs too much, or you can get to them. What happens even more is that you can reach the first X amount in a cost-effective. When you try to scale, it becomes too expensive or it's not working. On Facebook, very often you can do something small, and as you start amping up your budget, unless you really know what you're doing, unless the market's big enough, it becomes problematic. But just so you understand that, so it's an integral part of succeeding as a salesperson is having the fuel, the gasoline that makes the sales engine run, which is marketing. You have marketing on one side and sales on the other, right? And that leads me to number three, which is sales influence and persuasion, which is what I'm going to cover today in detail. So I'm going to just jump past that for right now. This is your third, and by the way, it's the single most important common theme. When it comes to making money, it's not the only thing that's required, but it's the single most important distinction, bar none, is the ability to close the deal. Whether you're an entrepreneur or a salesperson or in any aspect of life, I don't care, you could be a mom trying to convince your kids to make their bed in the morning or do their homework. You could be a teacher trying to focus your students on the value of education. You could be a pastor trying to influence your congregation on a moral principle, a lawyer trying to influence a jury. God forbid a politician trying to influence your constituency. It doesn't matter what line of work you're in or whether it's business or personal. We're always trying to move through the world to get people to essentially see things our way and get to invest with their hard work, their time, their money, whatever it might be, because you could be an entrepreneur trying to get the right people to come work for you. You could be trying to convince a bank to lend you money, a credit card process to extend your line. It doesn't matter what it is. Trying to attract investors. You need to be able to essentially explain what your value proposition is to someone else in a way that connects with them and gets them to say yes. And at the end of the day, when it comes to sales, your success will be related to how many people you can get to say yes to your offer. That's the cold, hard truth of it all. And it's not about getting the easy people to say yes, because there's going to be some of those. So what I'm going to be teaching you once we move past this, we're almost there, 
is how do you take the people who we say are on the fence, the people that are hitting you with objections, saying, let me think about it. Let me call you back. It's a bad time of year right now. I got to speak to my wife, my accountant, the butcher, the baker, the fucking candlestick maker. It's a bad time of year right now. It's back to school time. It's tax time. It's leap year. It's fucking Groundhog's Day. All the common objections that salespeople hate to hear, right, that hold you back from closing at the highest level. How do you get those people to say yes? And by the way, thank God for those people. You know why? Because if everyone would just say yes, you would not get paid a lot to sell. You wouldn't be, a, the reason salespeople make so much money is because of that ability to get people who are saying, let me think about it or let me call you back, to get those people to say yes now in the moment. Because I will tell you, any entrepreneur will pay a lot of money for an employee that can do that. That can take the ones that are not ready to do it now and not just with pressure, but with common sense, the right language patterns and some style and by educating them correctly, can get them to say yes and buy now. Or if they're gonna buy one thing, maybe buy three to upsell them and cross-sell them. People pay a lot for those that have that skill. And it's a learnable skill. It's not something that's just for the select chosen few who just were born as closers. I'm a natural born closer, that's true. But what I created with the straight line was an ability to transfer that skill set to people who are not natural born clothes. That's why it's so important, that's why it's so powerful, the straight line. It allows people who are not natural born clothes to close at an extremely high level. Now I'm not saying that I can magically wave a wand over you and in three hours or even 24 or, or two weeks teach you the straight line and you're gonna be as good as me. I'm not saying that. Most of you won't be, seriously. But what you will be is damn fucking great. Good enough. So that whatever you're doing, it will not be sales that's holding you back from success. That's the beauty of the straight line. Listen, I've taken a million tennis lessons and I could play really well. But no, I could take lessons from today till 20 years. I'm never going to get a game off Roger Federer. I wasn't born with that intensive skill. There's a certain level of natural talent also. Some of you are supremely talented. All I'm saying is this. No matter what you are, no matter what your level of natural talent is, if you have very poor natural communication skills, the straight line will make you damn fucking good. Good enough to achieve whatever you want in life and to feel comfortable going out and speaking to people and closing in a way that's congruent with who you are. So you'll feel good about it. If you are naturally good, the straight line will make you awesome. And if you're naturally talented and great, the straight line will make you one of the best in the world and make your best day almost every day because it will show you exactly what you're doing. It will give you a context for improvement and consistency. And for those of you who own companies, it will allow you to train as many people as you want to become world-class closers. That's the beauty of the system. And that's what I'm gonna teach you for the rest of the day. One minor point before we move on there, right? And that is the fourth element here is something called MSIs, multiple streams of income. Just once you start making money as part of an overarching formula for success, the idea is that you make money in a core business, whether it's in sales, 
owning a business, whatever it might be, and then you want to take the money that you make and invest it wisely. The stock market, other, it could be in real estate, other, you want to have more than one source of income in this world. Don't just be working for money. Have your money also work for you. In fact, I just finished writing a book, which will be released in Australia in October, which is how you make money in the stock market, how you really invest your money wisely and get rich in stocks, not magically through a very well-known form, but a way that's really anyone can easily do in your super fund or in any account that you want and really set yourself up for a massively amazing retirement. So that's these eight essentially distinctions. And with that, I want to now focus in on this one. I want to focus in on sales and persuasion. So let's do that right now. So rather than teaching you into a, in a dry, boring way, I want to tell you the story of my life, which is hysterical, by the way, right? And I'll tell you very quickly how I invented the straight line, how it came to be, and then I'm going to dig into the actual particulars. And by the time I'm done, I'm going to kind of lay out the whole system for you in a nutshell. Okay, and then from there, you can even, listen, you go out and if you can buy my book, it's like, um, it's like $8 or something online. Seriously, you can buy the, the uh, Kindle version. It's like nothing. And the book, it teaches you every, who's read the book, by the way? Anybody, if, if the book is awesome, right? No, it's an amazing, but it teaches you everything. Or you could buy my system if you want online, or you could just get, download free videos, whatever you want to do. But this is going to give you the outline of it. You could start making massive progress, literally starting tomorrow. That's the goal. Sound good? Yes?